Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ooh, yeah! Woo! Heck yeah, baby! Gives to Sproles, angling left, has got room, it. 15, 10, 5, jackpot! He got it, he got it, he got it! The play should have been ruled a fumble. Ha ha Touchdown Antonio Gates! 112 career touchdown catches, that's the most by an NFL tight end all time. I would have hoped that if people would have figured it out, I'd just like to play football. This is Score More with Garrett Sister. We are back. Episode 3 of the Score More Podcast. I am Garrett Sisti. Welcome back, all you score morons. I love it. Also, appreciate all you guys using the hashtag like last week, hashtag score morons. And I got the new tag DM the show, so it all just works out great. Some things are just meant to be. Almost serendipitous that we figured out, we're calling everybody that listens to this show, including me, who does the show, a score moron, and we found the perfect way to end the show. Perfect tagline. You know, news reporters, radio show announcers, any announcers in general are always looking for a tag. I got my tag in the second week of doing the show. That's just how it works out. And I love it. So... Welcome back, all you score morons, and everybody who said, hey, listen, I'm not calling myself a score moron. That's dumb. Do you hear yourself? That's dumb? No, it's not. First of all, it's awesome. Second of all, lighten up a little bit and get a sense of humor. Come on. Score morons is perfect. It's not an insult. 
you know how you take a bad word or you take a phrase that somebody makes fun of you about or take something that has a bad meaning and take all the sting out of it? Just lean into it. You know, like when somebody makes fun of you or calls you something, you just lean into it, start using it, make it your own, and they'll stop calling you that. Now, I'm not going to stop calling you score morons. That's going to probably live on forever as long as this podcast goes on. But take the word and make it your own. Come on. It's been awesome. So we are going to cover the matchup this weekend against the 49ers. Chargers are 1-2. and two, 49ers are 1-2. and two. We got some things to talk about. It's going to be an interesting breakdown this week. And before we do, I don't think we're going to be doing bits every week. Because some of you are like, well, when do you get to the Chargers talk? When do I get to hear the breakdown? Well, fast forward. It's a podcast. Do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. I mean, you're missing the gold. If you don't like the laugh, then go ahead and fast forward. But yeah, it, it'll be there. Just fast forward. Just scrub forward and you'll find it. Not that big of a deal. So I don't think I'll be doing bits every week. But you can certainly ask me questions. And I got one this week. And it's from Chris Bernhardt. And he left a question for me at the Score More Podcast Twitter handle, which is at Score More Pod. So if you guys are over there and not following that account yet, go do that because we're going to do some fun stuff over there. I'll probably do some videos. It'll be everything surrounding this podcast. I'll do some stuff over there. And I've been kind of live tweeting games over there as well. So go follow at Score More Pod on Twitter. That's where I'll be at regarding this podcast. And Chris left me a message and he said, can you tell the story about how you worked at Target? Don't know if you ever told it, but I'm interested. LOL. Well, you should be interested. It's a pretty good story. And most of you might not know. It's kind of an inside joke. I guess if you're following me at that point and you saw it and heard it, then you know what I'm talking about. But there's kind of an inside joke that I work at Target. In fact, even in my Twitter bio, I inadvertently worked at Target for a half hour. I put that in there because it was such a significant time in my life that I worked at Target. So here's how I inadvertently worked at Target for about a half hour. I was on my break from work, and I wanted to get some creamer. That's the only thing I needed to get, and I was kind of busy that night. So I was like, you know, I need creamer for the morning, so I'll go get it real quick, walk into Target, grab it, walk out. Not that big of a deal. Go grab some lunch while I'm out too. So I walk into Target. And this old lady comes up to me. She walks up to me and asks where she can find throw pillow covers. Now, I'm sure everybody's had this happen before, but I look down and I realize that I'm wearing a red shirt and brown pants. And of course, you know, the Target uniform is a red polo and some kind of khaki pant. But I was wearing a dark brown pant and uh, like a a red t-shirt. I think there was even like band logo. There was something else on it. It wasn't just like a plain red t-shirt. So anybody else would probably know, hey, that's kind of a weird coincidence, but he doesn't work here. Or at least they would go, oh, does that guy work here? And then on a second glance, you go, oh, nope, that's just a guy who stupidly walked into a Target with a red shirt and brown pants. So this lady was old. And by old, I mean like not your parents' age, but probably like your grandma's age. She was probably in her 80s. At least she could have been pushing 90. I don't know. She was very old and she spoke very slow. She walked very slow. And I just did not have the heart to tell her that I didn't work at Target. So she asked me, you know, she walked up to me and asked, do you know where the throw pillow covers are? And just a side note, throw pillows are garbage. Throw pillows are the worst type of pillow you can possibly have. 
They have some kind of sequins on them. They have some kind of design that aren't used for laying on, and they're just for look. And, you know, some are oblong-shaped. Some are, like, circular. Some are cylinders. Like, those aren't pillows. That's just for show. Take every throw pillow you have in your house and throw them away. I have because they're worthless. Hey, throw pillows. Just be a regular pillow. Something I can lay my head down on. I don't want to just look at you. Have some other purpose than something good to look at. Throw pillows are stupid. So it makes sense. She's older. She has throw pillows. That's an older generation thing. That's not my thing. It shouldn't be your thing either because throw pillows are stupid. And, you know, for the most part, it's your it's a thing that your mom did or, you know, your girlfriend or wife is currently doing where, you know, they want something that looks cute. Throw them away. Throw, throw pillow. That's why it's called throw pillows. You throw them in the trash. You throw those pillows in the garbage because they're worthless. Who came up with throw pillows? Who is walking into your bedroom every night to look at your pillows? Nobody. You're walking in there to go to bed and you use your pillows to sleep on. So you make your bed every morning and then by the time it's time to go to bed, you have to throw pillows off the bed. Stupid. It is basically a barrier between me and my bed when I'm trying to go to sleep. And I have to waste time throwing pillows off the bed. So they spend, what, 10 hours on your bed each night? And then they go on the ground? And then they go back on your bed? Dumb. That's dumb. Throw pillows are dumb. And you throw those pillows in the trash. So anyway, this woman wants me to find throw pillow covers. Now, not just a throw pillow... But she's got a throw pillow that she puts a cover on, and I have to find throw pillow covers. I'm walking around Target for 15, 20 minutes. Because where is that at? Is throw pillows in home decor? Is it in bedding? Is there a bedding? You know, it's not like a big department store where there's like a giant bedding section that has like sheets and duvets and pillows and pillowcases. There isn't that in Target. It's like some mix. I mean, there's sheets and stuff. There's an aisle for it. But where would you find throw pillow covers? I'm looking around and I can't find it. So I have the bright idea that I'm going to look up on my phone where that could possibly be, right? Because a Google search would probably find it. I don't know where it is. And I've been walking around Target. I feel like I've done two laps in the store by this point and I can't find throw pillows, let alone throw pillow covers. I've found regular pillows that you sleep on, but I haven't found throw pillow covers. And this throw pillow cover was a small square shape. I guess a standard throw pillow. I don't, I don't know dimensions on throw pillows, so don't ask me that. But it was just a regular square throw pillow. And I needed to find a cover for it. And she brought in the throw pillow cover, by the way, so that she could match it up with the pillow. So anyway, she's walking around with the throw pillow cover. I'm on my phone going... Where do I find this thing? And so she sees me on my phone. She goes, are you checking your system? As if like my phone has the target system in it. And I'm like, yes, I'm that's exactly what I'm doing. But what I'm really doing is trying to figure out where the hell this throw pillow cover could be. And if Google could help me out at some point, because I can't find a target employee. So what I end up doing is I walk around until I find another target employee which took me another lap and a half to find somebody. And I go, hey man, where are throw pillows? And 
He points me in the right direction, so I go over there. As we walk over there, and as you probably guessed by now, there were no throw pillow covers. I'm walking around with this lady, basically chauffeuring her around the store, and she's an old lady, and I feel terrible. And so after we've already walked around twice and kind of walked up and down aisles, I say, you know what, wait here, let me find somebody. And so I didn't want to blow my cover, you know, that I'm not a Target employee yet, because honestly, I've been doing this for 25 minutes now. I can't now break out of it. So I go, let me find an employee. The guy points me to throw pillows. We walk over to the section and there are no throw pillow covers. So of course, me being personable and also having customer service skills, I upsell her and she bought two new throw pillows. I think Target owes me some money on that because I sold those. I don't know what the commission is on that, but I sold her two new throw pillows. So I'm walking around and of course I can't, I, I don't have the heart and I walk her to the register and as I'm walking to the register and she's got the two pillows, by the way, I don't have creamer at this point. I'm just helping this lady out. As I'm walking by, a woman sees me escorting this woman with two throw pillows and I am now looking like a Target employee and she walks over to me and goes, hey, listen, um, my kid spilled something over an aisle five. So if you can get somebody over there to clean that up, that'd be great. And I was like, this cannot be happening. Now I'm officially in too deep. So now I got to go over. And the funny part of this is another Target employee walks by and I go, uh, excuse me. And I see his name on his, on his badge. I go, hey, Ben, listen, there's a spill in aisle five. If you don't mind cleaning that up, um, this, this lady's kid spilled some apple juice or whatever the kid spilled. And he go, he kind of looks at me funny and he goes, okay. And then I realize that I now look like I'm in charge because I just delegated a task to another employee. So like I am some kind of whatever I am, I'm higher than whatever that Ben is. I am officially higher up on the target ranks than Ben. And I don't even work at target. The woman whose kids built the apple juice in the aisle was in within earshot. So she heard me delegate this task to somebody else so she knows that this is going to get cleaned up the woman's in line to check out with two new throw pillows which i upsold her for thank you very much so i'm like all right well now i can get some creamer right so i am going to walk by and get some creamer and i grab it i walk back towards register and the same old lady walks up to me she shuffles her feet up to me with a receipt in hand and says you know what actually I want the blue throw pillows instead of the red throw pillows because we were kind of deciding, the two of us, oh, you know, I have a brown couch. Should I go with red or should I go with blue? And I said you should go with blue, but she ended up talking herself into the red and she got two red throw pillows. Well, now she's having second thoughts and she still thinks I work at Target. So I now have to go grab two blue throw pillows. So I grab two pillows. I bring them back. I guide her to customer service. I dropped off the creamer that was in my hand somewhere on an end cap, somewhere in Target. I, it was just like, I got to get out of this store. This is ridiculous. So I walk her over to guest services. I say, just uh, go walk up to her and show her the receipt. And she's going to exchange your red throw pillows for blue throw pillows. They were the same price. There wasn't any big deal. It would have been an easy exchange. But once I did that, I walked out the door with my head down, making sure nobody else saw me and nobody else wanted to ask me for some kind of work done in Target. 
because I don't work there. I just walked into the store with brown pants and a red shirt, and somehow I got stuck as a Target employee for 30 minutes because I didn't have the heart to tell this old lady that I didn't work there. I don't know if her vision isn't very good or whatever it is, but she saw me and just assumed I worked there, and I kind of understood it, and I couldn't say no. So that's how I worked to Target. And I was live-tweeting this stuff. So as this stuff was happening, I couldn't believe it, and I had to put it on Twitter. I'm not really that type of guy, but I just couldn't believe the circumstances I was in. It felt like some like weird, dumb comedy that you wouldn't believe, like some something in a sitcom that you'd be like, that would never happen in real life. Somehow... That worked because every other normal human being would be like, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. No, I don't work here. Not me. Not Mr. Nice Guy over here. But I've never been on the payroll. I never received any money on the commission from upselling that woman to not just some couple dollar throw pillow covers to some $10 throw pillows. Two of them. She only needed one. She bought two. So I think they do owe me some money, but... I never ended up getting creamer. I had to get it that night, and I did it like really late at night, and I didn't go to Target, I'll tell you that. I walked into some grocery store. I think I was in Albertsons. As I was walking into Albertsons, I go, am I wearing a blue shirt and brown pants? I wasn't. I was still wearing my red shirt and brown pants. And I was like, okay, nobody's going to think I work here. So I was able to get creamer without anybody bugging me. And that's how I worked at Target. There you go, Chris. Filled you in. Now, let's talk about the injury report. We'll start with the Chargers. Not a long list. A lot of the same names we've seen the last couple weeks. But we do know Russell Okung, Derek Watt were full practices on Wednesday. Keenan Allen got a rest day. He did not practice. Travis Benjamin was limited. And Joey Bosa, who's already been ruled out, did not practice on Wednesday. And Joe Barksdale did not practice on Wednesday either. He's still iffy. Probably won't play this Sunday against the 49ers. Now, on the other side, much longer list. And we'll talk about a lot of these players later on when I'm breaking down these position groups. So let's just talk about who got practices. Akilah Witherspoon, their corner, was a full practice on Wednesday. He should be good to go. The wide receiver, Marquise Goodwin, was limited with a quadricep injury. And Matt Breida, their running back, was limited as well. Most people reporting that he did not practice on Wednesday. So Breida's status is up in the air. And if he did have a limited practice, it was probably very, very limited. So then... With he did not practice. It's a long list. Starts with Richard Sherman. He did not practice as a calf injury. Already been ruled out two to three weeks, so he won't be there on Sunday. Joe Staley, the tackle, got a rest day on Wednesday. Their safety, Jaquiski Tart, had a shoulder injury. He did not practice. Their other safety, Adrian Colbert, did not practice. He is their free safety. Guards, Joshua Garnett and Mike Person, both right guards on their depth chart. Did not practice. It's a long list for the 49ers. We'll talk about a lot of these players in the breakdown. But let's go ahead and get down with the breakdown. Let's talk about the rival this week, the San Francisco 49ers. And, of course, we'll start with offense because that's the big news this week. 49ers starting quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the season. He tore his ACL in his left knee. So next man up for the Niners is C.J. Beathard. Beathard started five games last season. He ranked as the 31st best quarterback in 2017. The team went 1-4 in those games. He had four touchdowns, six interceptions, and he finished with a 54% completion percentage. Now, the 49ers this week are going to absolutely flip the script on Sunday against the Chargers because with Jimmy Garoppolo, you saw a lot of movement. 
There was a lot of motion, and I'm, Shanahan will do that again this week. But Beathard is a completely different quarterback than Jimmy G is in the things that he can do. With Garoppolo, you know, he's a threat to make all the throws, whether it's a deep shot, hitting the seam, up the middle, quick slant. You have to somewhat honor those throws because he has the capability of making all those throws. The 49ers offense in the first three games really attacked the middle of the field, which opened up that vertical passing game. But with C.J. Beathard, they cannot do that. Beathard isn't the pocket passer that Garoppolo is, and nowhere near as accurate either. And, you know, they kind of focused on the middle of that offensive line as well. We'll talk about the offensive line in a little bit. But, you know, Garoppolo isn't the runner like Beathard is. Beathard loves to move. Whether it's running the ball or throwing the ball on the move, he loves to run. Beathard has that run-first mentality and expect Kyle Shanahan to have a lot of design runs for Beathard on offense because he's a runner. He wants to run. He likes to run. But you guys know C.J. Beathard can run. Remember game four last preseason? C.J. Beathard took that 62-yard run to the house and basically ended Dwight Lowry's career. Do you remember that? Pepperidge Farm remembers, and so does Garrett. He can run. Beathard is a tough runner. He's not necessarily looking to go out of bounds either. He will put his head down and fight for extra yards. The Chargers cannot let this offense extend drives with Beathard running because he will do it all game long. What they're going to have to do is force C.J. Beathard to throw the ball. Last year, Beathard struggled. You know, he had five games under his belt. Didn't look very good. 49ers make the trade for Garoppolo midseason. In comes Garoppolo. Beathard's out. So you think, you know, they drafted him in the third round. You'd think that you'd like to see some progression from Beathard this year. In the preseason, not so much. Didn't throw a touchdown pass in all the three preseason games I watched of him. He was so bad in the preseason that there was talks about him being on the roster bubble. He survived the 53-man cuts, but he was on the bubble. CJ almost had a touchdown last week. Once Garoppolo went out, he had a fourth down, and he made a beautiful throw in the corner, but it ended up being nullified on an offensive pass interference penalty by the fullback Kyle Juszczyk. That was maybe his best throw I've seen him ever make. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, Seems smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Watched the games of Beathard last year. Watched the preseason games this year. What we do know is Beathard likes to push the ball downfield. He's not afraid to let it loose. And with these wide receivers, he's got some company and some guys he can throw the ball to. We'll talk about wide receivers in a little bit. But what the 49ers are going to try to do this week and what they've done with success for the first three weeks is try to pound the rock. They're going to try to gash this Chargers run defense and hope to keep the amount of times Beathard has to throw down. So on Sunday, this is going to be a very run-heavy scheme. Not only with these backs, but with C.J. Beathard too. Remember in the second half against the Bills in Week 2 when Josh Allen had a lot of design runs? They kind of just wanted to get some positive yards on the board. They wanted to kind of push the ball downfield, open up that passing game. That's what they're going to do on Sunday. 
I'm sure Shanahan will be doing the same thing, trying to create some positive yards, not only in the run game, but also with Bethard. Create some positive yards, hope that then they can make some throws. But they want to limit the amount of time C.J. Bethard throws because he's not very accurate and he's not a great quarterback. So if you can hand the ball off and have success with it, they're going to keep going back to it. Last year, while C.J. Bethard was in the starting lineup, he got sacked 19 times in five games. You do the math. Seriously, I don't know what that is. What is that? Almost four times a game? 3, 3.8? 3.8 sacks a game? 49ers offensive line let them down last year, and it was kind of a point of emphasis in the offseason. They have the same left side from a year ago. They got Joe Staley at left tackle, Lakin Tomlinson, who they traded for from the Lions at left guard. They signed the free agent center from the Giants, Weston Richburg, and I don't know why every time I see his name or hear his name, I want to say Rich Westenberg, but it's Weston Richburg. And I might swap that while I'm talking about offensive line, but it's Weston Richburg. And so they picked him up in the offseason, and then they drafted Mike McGlinchey, ninth overall, to play right tackle. The right guard spot's kind of been a turnstile. They've been shuffling players in and out. Even McGlinchey had a pitch in at right guard this season. But going into the preseason, Jonathan Cooper was projected to be the right guard. He ended up getting cut. And then they were going to put in Joshua Garnett, their former first-round pick in 2016. But he dislocated his toe, which has kind of held him back. He's probably not playing on Sunday, which brings us to the person who started week three against the Chiefs, Mike. No, is that Mike Person? Mike. Keep an eye on his status, though, because he was out on Sunday. He had a knee sprain. He ended up returning in that game for the 49ers. But if they are missing Persons and Joshua Garnett, that right side is going to be very, very vulnerable. 49ers offensive line are very strong in the edges with McGlinchey on the right side, Staley on the left, and they have upped their play in the run game. This is a very good run blocking team, especially on the right side. I know I just talked about it could be bad if Person and Garnett aren't playing on the right side, but in terms of the run game, McGlinchey and Mike Person have been great. They've been a great duo, and that's been their strength through three weeks. The O-line from left to right is top 10 in run blocking, in my opinion. They are just so good. They love to pound the rock. They've got two running backs, which we'll talk about in a little bit. They go back and forth on. But where this unit really dips down is their pass blocking. They are well below average in pass blocking. The 49ers offensive line is ranked fourth in giving up sacks this year. They've given up 13 sacks in three games. They're averaging over four sacks a game this year. I can do the math on that one. Um, And the real weak point is Mike McGlinchey. He's lunging, and his technique is all over the place in pass sets. McGlinchey is going through some early rookie mistakes, and the teams are starting to overload his side and kind of run the motion to his end. So Mike McGlinchey, while very good as a run blocker, has struggled mightily as a pass blocker so far this season. This is a game Gus Bradley can basically dial it up like he did in Buffalo. Last week, Derwin James kind of had to run and cover more with the Rams wide receivers, but they're not going to have to do that this week with the 49ers. Gus can overwhelm the Niners' O-line on passing downs, and force the new QB to make some rush throws. Look for Gus to hopefully cut Derwin James, Des King, or Chen Nwosu loose this week because bring on the pressure, make C.J. Beathard beat you. So like I mentioned, the 49ers run game is their strength, and it becomes even more so with C.J. Beathard behind center because he will be running more. They're starting running back Jarek McKinnon tore his right ACL the Saturday before the season started, and that's about the time everyone was doing their fantasy draft. So if you did it before that weekend... Shame on you, because you always do it the week before the season starts. I don't get why people do fantasy drafts week one, week two of the preseason. Forget it. you got to do it the week before, because there's 53 cuts, and there's injuries, 
And stuff like this happens. And then you've got Jarek McKinnon thinking, oh, I've got a starting running back on my roster. And then he injures himself. And now you got a dead spot on your roster, which if you waited till the weekend, you wouldn't draft him. But you did. And if you did, talk to your fantasy football commissioner because you're drafting in the wrong time slot. Do it the weekend before the season starts. So McKinnon's out. San Francisco's relied on their duo of running backs, the UDFA, Matt Breida, and Alfred Morris. Alfred Morris is getting the bulk of the carry so far. He's more of their first down, short yardage, goal line back. Just basically need him to plod and rumble for a couple positive gains. But the real weapon is Matt Breida. Now, Matt Breida hyperextended his knee in the game last week, but he returned in the second half. So he might be good to go, but we'll see how that turns out. After the game, he was favoring his leg. Said he had some calf soreness, so if he doesn't go for the 49ers, it'll be a huge loss because Breida is explosive. Matt Breida didn't practice on Wednesday, so if Breida can't go against the Chargers, that'll be a huge loss for the 49ers. You're looking at a duo of Alfred Morris and Raheem Mostert, so Matt Breida being out would be a big deal. He carved up the Lions' run D in Week 2 for 138, got 90 on the ground against the Chiefs. Breida has led the team in rushing all three games. He's a tough guy to bring down, too. Brita actually leads the league in yards after first contact with 8.56. You know who's second? Austin Eckler with 8.15. So tackling the run game has got to get better than it did last week. And Brita is a threat out of the backfield too. He has three receptions in the last two games, so you got to keep an eye on him as a receiving weapon as well. This is another thing Kyle Shanahan's going to be working on this weekend on Sunday. Quick, easy passes, dump off some screens, get the ball out of CJ's hands quickly, use it as an extension of the run game. So stopping the run has got to be priority number one for the Chargers. And they're going to try to get as many yards when they can because they know they can't depend on C.J. Beathard's arm to get them down the field. So you're going to see a lot of runs, dump-offs, screens, quick passes. You're going to see a lot of that on Sunday, and the Chargers have to be ready for it. But they have to stop the run first and foremost. Stopping the run forces C.J. Beathard to throw just like the Chargers did with Josh Allen. Getting the pass rush is important too, obviously, but even when C.J. Beathard has time, you're asking him to make throws. That's a good proposition for the Chargers. You want him to try to make throws. So stop the run is the biggest focal point this week for the Chargers on defense. So as far as the receiving weapons, the big one is actually a tight end. It's George Kittle. With Garoppolo, this offense really killed you up the seam. The majority of that was with their tight end Kittle. Kittle has been the team's leading pass catcher two out of three games this year. He is a very good run blocker, too. Didn't mention it in the running backs, but Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, very talented blocker as well, also receiving weapon. This will be a matchup to watch, though, with Kittle because you'll probably see Dez King matched up on Kittle sometime on Sunday, and that's going to be a dogfight. Former Hawkeyes there. Same with Beathard, too. But George Kittle versus Dez King is going to be a fun matchup. But what the 49ers might do And where they'll have an advantage is when they stretch the Chargers defense out and go three wide. Basically run Dante Pettis, their rookie, in the slot. Pettis was the 49ers second round pick out of Washington. He runs the second most yards per route, ran out of the slot. Meaning when they bring three wide receivers and Des King is on the field, he's going to have to run with Pettis and run with him downfield, which isn't a very favorable matchup for the Chargers. Plus, when Des is running with Pettis... That means the linebacker is going to be matched up on George Kittle, their biggest receiving weapon. Dante Pettis had a snap scale back last week, but when he's been on the field, he's been fairly quiet outside of a very, very impressive touchdown pass against Minnesota. And even last week against the Chiefs, he went without a catch. So the rookie hasn't made a ton of noise this season. 
The literal track star, Marquise Goodwin, went down with a quad injury in week one, but he came back against the Chiefs last week. That means the 49ers have two receivers who can stretch the field in Goodwin and Pettis. And Beathard isn't afraid to try them deep. I talked about it a little bit earlier. This is another matchup where the Chargers secondary is going to have to respect the speed of Goodwin and Pettis no matter who's back there at quarterback. He may not be very accurate or very good, but he's not afraid to let it go. So he will test those corners and DBs, and I'm sure they're going to try to stretch Goodwin and Pettis vertical on Sunday. Now in terms of the other 49ers wide receivers, Pierre Garçon is more of a possession receiver, and the Chargers DBs actually do pretty good with physical receivers, so that shouldn't be too much of an issue. They also mix in Trent Taylor, who's another slot guy. The matchup to watch will be the tight end George Kittle, though, especially in the middle of the field, and how Kaiser White does this week with him, because he struggled last week, kind of went invisible in week three. Going to have an important matchup against the 49ers' biggest receiving weapon in George Kittle, and then they got to figure out how these DBs are going to try to contain the speed of Marquise Goodwin and Dante Pettis, because both of those guys can run. So, let's move on to the other side of the ball. Let's talk about defense. The headline from this unit is the big offseason acquisition of Richard Sherman. He's out with a calf strain, and he'll be sidelined for two to three weeks and will not be out there Sunday against the Chargers. But first, let's talk about the strength of the 49ers and their D-line. The marquee names are DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, all former first-round picks. Charger fans know Buckner and Thomas' name because they were possible targets for the Chargers in the draft. So luckily they went with Joey Bosa over DeForest Buckner. But uh, Buckner, Armstead, Solomon Thomas, the big bodies on the defensive line. Buckner really is underrated, though. I, I do have to say. I mean, Joey Bosa, obviously, a special player. But Buckner is really underrated as an interior defender, especially as a pass rusher. He plays like an edge rusher with a body of a three-tech. The Chargers have their hands full in the interior again this week. Last week is the Rams in Aaron Donald and the Dominican Sioux. This week, DeForest Buckner. Next to Buckner is Earl Mitchell, who's more of a run stopper than a pass rusher on the interior. But the ends are Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead. Now, Thomas was up and down last season and is kind of off to a slow start this year. Thomas has two total tackles in three games while being on the field half the time while the 49ers are in base defense. 49ers in base defense about 50% of the time, and that's Thomas's role in base. What's popped to me in the first three games that I watched this year is Thomas doesn't really have a counter. In the first three games, if a lineman kind of gets a hand on him, he's just washed for that play. If he can get by you, he can do damage. But, you know, if offensive linemen can basically get a hold of him, he's not going anywhere. The real strength is our Eric Armstead, who I think is playing much better than Solomon Thomas right now. And Armstead is in base packages, and also he gets kicked in as well. So he's on the field a lot more than Solomon Thomas is. Armstead provides more of a pass rush and is a really good run defender as well. 49ers have Ronald Blair, who they also rush off the edge. He can get to the quarterback. He's their third pass rusher on the depth chart. So Dan Feeney, he's been sluggish this year, but now look for him for another tough matchup against a Forrest Buckner. Hope Feeney can bounce back again this year. I think I've said it each week. He's had flashes of good play, but Feeney's been tough this year. And at some point, you hope he turns it around. So let's take a step back, move on to the second level, talk about these linebackers. And they got much better at that group because of a guy they added, which was one of my guys in the draft, Fred Warner. And don't think I won't start touting guys I liked in the draft when I start watching these other teams. That's not below me. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon early because I don't get to watch other teams very often. And now when I'm doing this podcast, I do. And when I see guys like Fred Warner, I'm going to tell you about him. He's the team's Mike. Last Sunday was Ruben Foster's first game back. He's the team's Will. 
that's two guys that can really stop the run. Fred Warner, Reuben Foster, and Fred Warner's been really impressive as a run defender. Reuben Foster's pretty good in coverage. He is quick, man. He is a quick athletic linebacker at the second level. And that's a good nucleus they have in the middle for San Francisco. Some young guys, Fred Warner, Reuben Foster, like what they both do. Where they struggle, though, is tackling. And I mean at, like, every level. The 49ers have 43 missed tackles thus far. That's the most in the NFL. On Sunday, Reuben Foster had six missed tackles. Fred Warner had four. So remember that stat I gave you earlier about yards after first contact? And Austin Eckler being number two? Yeah, that'll play a part. But what you do have to look out for is this 49ers run defense is very good. They haven't given up 50 yards to a leading rusher this year. They did give up two scores to Kareem Hunt last week, so you might see Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon maybe get some pay dirt that way, but they are very stout in the middle. It's all about the run with the San Francisco 49ers. They want to stop the run on defense, and they're very good at doing it. Again, haven't given up more than 50 yards a game yet. And on offense, they want to pound the rock. They want to run it down your throats. And they can with Matt Breida, force a little out for Morris down your throat. That's where they succeed, running the ball and stopping the run. So let's move on to the 49ers secondary. And like I mentioned earlier, Richard Sherman out. That means Jimmy Ward will be the next man up. It'll be Akilo Witherspoon and Jimmy Ward on the boundary Sunday. Witherspoon was looking for a jump in his progression this season with some flashes of potential last year, but he's struggled so far. In Detroit, he gave up a pair of touchdowns. Stafford picked on him with Sherman still playing at that point. Witherspoon gave up a costly pass interference penalty last week against the Chiefs. It was on their last drive with his team trying to mount a comeback. The worst penalty at the worst time. Witherspoon is part of the problem with his missed tackling, too. A ton of these missed tackles are coming after the line of scrimmage with the linebackers in this secondary. Both starting safeties are dealing with some injuries as well, so these injuries are mounting. Their starting strong safety, Jaquiski Tart, didn't play last week with a shoulder stinger, and we'll see if he can go this week, but the fill-in is the former Vikings DB, Antone Exum. Exum was actually a bright spot in the secondary, had nine tackles, even got a sack on Sunday. He was very active. And their starting free safety, Adrian Colbert, suffered a hip injury against the Chiefs. And I know I said Colbert because that's how it's pronounced. It's not Colbert. I'm not some uncultured swine. I had to look it up because I just assumed it was going to be Colbert, but it's not. It's Colbert. So Adrian Colbert had the hip injury. We'll see if he plays on Sunday. But DJ Reed came into the game, and they went after him deep. One where Reed blew a coverage, and Mahomes just missed a throw. So they attacked Reed. The Chiefs saw something they liked in DJ Reed, and they attacked him a lot. This 49ers secondary is reeling. No Sherman. Both safeties, Tart and Colbert, could be out, and Witherspoon is struggling. They're giving up almost 30 points a game on defense, and that was before all the injuries started piling up. Put that on top of it, Chargers should not have a problem throwing the ball on Sunday. So for special teams, the rookie receiver I mentioned earlier, Dante Pettis, was a dangerous returner in college, and he's their starting punt returner. Pettis has five returns for 29 yards this season, a muffed a punt that he fell on in game one versus Vikings, but DJ Reed, the backup safety that I just got done talking about, he's their kick returner, and he almost ran one back against the Lions. He had 159 kick return yards in that game, and he's not afraid to bring it out. The Chargers special teams is going to be a question mark every week, and that's what we're all accustomed to seeing every single year. So even if Dante Pettis has a long of 14 yards returning, that doesn't mean that this special teams will make him look like Devin Hester on Sunday. It'll be a test again this week, just like every week going forward. So let's talk about the results. The 49ers are going to try to run the ball. They do it with success, and they've done it all year. The Chargers are going to have to sell out to stop the run this week. Like in Buffalo, stop the run and make the QB hurt you. 
and some inexperienced QBs. They did it with Josh Allen, who had his first start. Now C.J. Beathard with his first start this year. Hadn't played since last season. Got to go after him. Gus Bradley can turn up the heat. Blitz Beathard, especially on the right side. Tight end George Kittle get a lot of targets this week. You'll see Des King on him, but especially see Kaiser White, and you hope that he can bounce back this week. And then you got to watch the speed on the outside with Marquise Goodwin and Dante Pettis. In terms of the defense, San Francisco's defensive interior pressure will be a matchup to watch. The run game will have to try to get something going, unlike the Vikings, Lions, or Chiefs have been able to do this year. And if the run isn't working, don't force it. There's no need to force the run if it's not working. The 49ers secondary wasn't great to begin with. Now they're missing pieces this weekend. The passing game should be there. You shouldn't have to keep forcing the run game if Melvin Gordon can't get going or Austin Eckler can't get going. So, I've been 2-0 this year on predictions. Had him winning in Buffalo. Had him losing against the Rams. So I'm undefeated. I mean, I missed week one. But this week, Chargers win, 27-10. I think Matt Breida gets a big play for a touchdown, but C.J. Beathard is going to be playing from behind, and he's not going to be able to catch up. So there you go. That's my prediction. The Chargers are going to be 2-2 after the first quarter of the season. They'll get this win against San Francisco. And it should be pretty easy. 27-10, they'll put up some points. It'll be one explosive play, but in the end, the Chargers come up on top. C.J. Beathard can't get anything going. So that's it. Another episode of the Score More Podcast. Go follow Score More on Twitter, at ScoreMorePod. I'll be doing some fun stuff over there. I'm Gary Sisti, and let's just hope the Chargers score more on Sunday. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.